Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that God preached, that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness and sins through his name. Um, it's great to be here, and I recognize some of you have already had a chance to, to say hello to some who I met at the weekend away uh, some months ago. And um, whether you're here for the first time or uh, you are a regular, it's really great to be with you. I was uh, told earlier that I was going to be the first person preaching in a pewless church. So I needed to recognize that whatever I uh, said was going to you know, have to stand the test of time. This was a big deal. And so um, uh, we need God's help. I need God's help. Uh, as we come to his word, can I ask that we bow our heads and pray together? Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you, you share that your, your word, as it's explained, it can be like seed. Some of it seems to land on paths and immediately get snatched away, and, and other of these seeds forms roots, but then they, they just burn up in the sun, and others, uh, well, they... They get swallowed up by fear and worry and other pressures. But some of that seed, Lord Jesus, is fruitful and it grows and it changes us. And we ask, please would you do that for us today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 13 years ago, I uh, moved to Battersea with my wife, Rachel, and we moved here with a vision. And our vision was to start uh, a new Christian community on a housing estate where we moved into. And we wanted to start a new Christian community uh, that was the kind of community that had old and young and rich and poor and black and white, a multicultural, multi-ethnic community where people of different kinds loved one another. But not just a community where people looked inward and loved one another, a community where if other people came into it, they would feel loved and welcomed. Question, what gave us the confidence that the God that we worshipped would help that to happen? And the answer to that question is the same as the answer to the question that Jago's just articulated. How is God good news in the quest for racial unity and justice? And it's great to be thinking about this topic here in the same church that William Wilberforce uh, worshipped in for many years. William Wilberforce, the 18th century British politician, regulars will know, uh, who spent 20 years 
campaigning to change the view of society and change the view of politicians around the issue of the transatlantic slave trade. Well, what was it that motivated uh, Wilberforce and his friends? How did God make a difference? What is it that makes Holy Trinity Clapham want to be a community that seeks racial unity and justice? Well, in the part of the Bible that we're looking at today, uh, a guy called Peter, a close friend of Jesus, uh, is speaking to someone from a very, very different cultural background to himself. And he explains something about this God. And what he explains just begins to give us a sense of why God is good news in this fight, this quest for racial unity and justice. And he shares three things that I'd like to talk to you about very quickly. And those three things are that God shows no favoritism. That's number one. Secondly, that God offers peace. That's number two. And number three, God provides evidence that what he says and what he promises is actually true. Well, let's dive into each of those and think about them in turn. Firstly, God shows no favoritism. And if you've still got a Bible or if you're uh, looking uh, at uh, it on your phone, this is verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. And what does he say? He says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show what? Now, you can answer. Oh, there's some over here <laughs> who are with me. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Here's the, the bottom line. God does not judge on the basis of externals. That's what it's saying. In other words, God doesn't look at the clothes that you're wearing and say, look, you're in and you're out. He doesn't analyze the amount of money in your pockets and say, well, you come to the front, you sit at the back. He doesn't judge on the basis of externals. The Guardian newspaper did an investigation uh, last year, uh, and they found uh, that there were 60,000 racist incidents recorded in UK schools over the last five years. One of those was uh, the the well-known case of uh, girl Q, child Q, a 15-year-old black girl who was strip-searched by police uh, because the teachers had uh, claimed that they had smelt cannabis on her person. As they did the search, no cannabis uh, was found. And the police report concluded that racism was likely a factor uh, in this unjustified search. So the teachers in this case appeared to have picked out someone unfairly on the basis of externals. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that every teacher or every policeman does this. This is simply an example of racism being real in our society today. I grew up in a, going to an independent school, trying to stay on the right side of the tracks. I've been stopped by the police more times than I can remember, and that isn't the... There's a story that some of my friends uh, would say from different ethnicities. Now look, contrast this. Contrast this uh, dealing with people on the basis of externals with God who does not show favoritism. Throughout the Bible, this is the the picture that we see. that, That God 
He doesn't treat people, whether they're young or old, black or white, rich or poor, whatever the, the designation you want to give, he doesn't treat them differently. They are all worthy of respect as people precious to God. And it's fair to say that, that Christians, because of this principle, have done much to bring justice in our society over the years. That schools have been built, orphanages have been founded, the poor have been cared for, people with plague have been looked after. To the extent that back in the fourth century, a Roman emperor named Julian was writing about the Christians uh, around the place, and he said words to this effect. He said, these Christians won't stop devoting themselves to the poor, and not just their poor, but our poor as well. In other words, these Christians had, uh, had such a deep sense of care and respect for all kinds of people that they didn't just look after their own, their care spilled out into others. And it's this characteristic of God that gave us confidence, Rachel and I, that as we started a church, that a community built on God and his son Jesus would be a community that would seek to welcome and love and respect all kinds of people, and indeed to try and root out disparity and discrimination. Now that's why Wilberforce labored for over 20 years to try and end the transatlantic slave trade. It's why uh, HTC here value racial unity and justice so much too. Because the value and the worth and the respect of every individual uh, is precious to God. That's the first thing, then, that, that God does not show favoritism. All people are worthy of respect in his eyes. But I want to be clear that having a great model doesn't mean that everyone follows that model perfectly. Right? Having a great model doesn't mean that everyone follows that model perfectly. Doreen Brown uh, arrived in the UK in 1956. She was 16 uh, years old, and she was part of what we now call the Windrush generation. And she told the story recently of how, uh, 16 years old, she found herself on the steps of uh, St. Peter's Church at Woolworth, a couple of miles down the road, and how she was prevented from going in, her mum was, purely on the basis of the colour of her skin. And the Church of England, the denomination, has publicly apologised for the way that many were treated in that kind of way. Not everyone, but although some found a warm welcome, others didn't. And it's not just the church today that, um, that has, a, has acknowledged uh, that Christians make mistakes. The Bible itself doesn't shy away from the fact that Christians will get it wrong, that followers of Jesus uh, make mistakes. It, in fact, the writer of this bit of the Bible, uh, or at least the speaker in this bit of the Bible, I should say, um, is one of Jesus' closest friends. He's been speaking uh, about Jesus for a while as he's traveled around. And do you notice what he said in verse 34? He says in verse 34, as he begins to speak, I now realize. In other words, he himself had been confused about who God welcomed, and he was on a journey of discovery. See, sometimes there are historic ways of thinking that take time to unravel. One author has put it this way, Jesus lives in my heart, but granddad lives in my bones. Sometimes it can take time for the truths of the Christian faith to seek deep uh, into 
our hearts. And this is where the second point comes in. The second point is this, that God offers peace. God offers peace. We see this in verse uh, 36. In verse 36, uh, Peter says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. A message to a particular group of people, but for everyone, because Jesus is Lord of all. And what's the message? It's the good news of peace. In other words, he offers forgiveness for the wrongs that we have done. Christians believe that our rejection of other people is just a symptom of our rejection of the living God. And uh, some of us, that that might be uh, explicit and hostile and not wanting to have anything to do with Jesus. But for many of us here in Clapham, it's more like just treating God like a a landlord who we don't stay in touch with. A landlord who's been wonderfully generous and left us with the keys, if you like, to a glorious mansion to enjoy (laughs) Uh, this world, this, this earth. And at the same time, he's left his number around for us to stay in touch with him. What do I mean by that, left his number around? I mean the beauty of this world and the clarity of the scriptures are God's calling card to us. And yet ignoring a human landlord, that's one thing. But ignoring the living God, the one who made us and sustains us, well, that's quite another. And it's a problem so serious that it required the death of his son. And when Jesus died on the cross and subsequently rose again from the dead, it was as if he was saying, God was saying, that the problem was real, but hear this, peace with God was possible. There is forgiveness available for the wrongs that we've done. There is forgiveness available for the times perhaps when we've slipped into racial offence. And it's one of the big reasons that we started our service the way that we do. We sing our hearts out and we pray with passion. Why? Because the judgment that we deserve has been replaced with joy. Hallelujah. But this peace, it does even more that is relevant to racial unity. And I just want to take a moment to to say something about that. It, It helps us to say sorry and it provides us with the power to change. We've heard something about that today from... Sam, thank you. <laughs> Look, one of the most touching things when I'm thinking about saying sorry, one of the most touching things over the last couple of years has been the number of people who've got in touch post the murder of George Floyd uh, to say sorry, maybe sent emails, uh, texts, phone calls to say sorry for the ways in which things that they've said or done might have caused uh, racial offence. Most of them were Christians. And I want to be clear that having brown skin doesn't make you immune from actually being prejudiced against other people. I myself have had to say sorry uh, to others who I may have caused offence to. I remember particularly a racial justice Sunday that we had at church a little while ago, and me taking the opportunity to say sorry to some of my Asian brothers and sisters for occasions where there were things going on that maybe I could have, I could have done something about but didn't. So I'm not immune from that myself. But here's what I've found. Knowing that you have been forgiven, despite your mistakes, knowing that there is this peace with God, well, it makes it easier to seek peace with other people. Knowing that you've been forgiven makes it easier for us to admit when we've messed up with other people. 
and to say sorry. And that is key if we're going to seek to be unified with people who are different from us. So, so one thing is it helps us to say sorry. But another thing is it gives us special power, special power to change. And that power to change means that we can move closer to people who are different from us. In 1945, Life magazine published the front cover of its latest issue. And on the front cover of that issue, there was right at the center a, a soldier hugging a, a, a woman. And behind the soldier hugging a woman were soldiers hugging other soldiers. And behind the soldiers hugging other soldiers were civilians hugging other civilians. And behind them, if you look right in the distance, there were even soldiers hugging civilians. And, and as you looked at this picture, it looked to, to, to the casual observer that, that this was some sort of reunion of long-lost friends. But on closer examination, it turned out that none of these people knew each other at all. The year was 1945. You can probably guess what was going on. They were celebrating the end of World War II. Peace had been declared. Here was the point. that The good news of peace had power to bring people together. But you see, Christians are people who believe that there is an even better good news, <laughs> that there is good news, that there is peace with God. But that peace with God, it, it, it's a message that doesn't just change us superficially. It supernaturally changes us to be different kinds of people. You know, anyone can be friends with people for a few minutes, for a photo, it's a very, very different friend, very, very different thing, uh, beginning to move towards people who are different for the long term. Uh, I shared earlier how sometimes when I come home from work and I turn the key through the door and I open the door, it can be something like a scene from Saving Private Ryan. There's all kinds of things kicking off uh, amongst my family. But of course, I'm committed to them. I, I, I'm not going to leave. I have to make it work out. Much harder when they're people who are more distant from you, who are more different to you. But there's something in the power that the gospel gives us, this good news of peace with God, that enables us to have more perseverance, more forgiveness, more love, that enables us to keep going with people who are different uh, from us. It gives us power to change. And you see, this is why God is key when we think about this subject of racial unity and justice, because he gives us pardon and he gives us power. He gives us pardon, which means that we can uh, keep going even when we make mistakes, even when we get it wrong, because there's forgiveness. And he gives us power, power to connect with people who are different from us, which means that we can model a different kind of community to the watching world. So look, if the first thing was that God shows no favoritism, the second thing is that God offers peace. God offers peace. But question, how do we know that all of this is true? Because all kinds of people believe all kinds of things, and so that they do all times, they, they give them all kinds of benefits and help. But how do we know that this really is true, that God's promises are real? And that brings us to our last point, that God provides evidence. He provides evidence. Peter, uh, the person speaking, wants us to know that the events he speaks of are historical and verifiable. And so we read in verse 37, if you uh, look down again with me at your Bibles, first two words there, you know 
what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. In other words, he's saying, look, the facts are on public record. I can't make stuff up here because everyone knows what's happened. And he carries on, verse 38. I'm going to read a couple of the verses now. You know how God anointed, verse 38, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Look at verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Verse 41, he was not seen by all the people, but by who? Witnesses, whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God has appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Do you see what he's doing all the way through? He's saying, look, this is, this is evidence-based. We were witnesses of this. And at the end, in verse 43, he throws in another uh, bit as well. In verse 43, his point is, is that by the power of God, the prophets predicted Jesus coming hundreds of years before he actually showed up. Do you see verse 43? All the prophets testify about him, that is Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. We are witnesses, says Peter. And we are at a better position than than, uh, the person that Peter was speaking to is because the things that he was speaking about are now written down in the very books and uh, on the screens that we're looking at. A photocopy of his words are available for us uh, in the Bible. And of course, Alpha is a chance to dip your toe in. Alpha is a chance to get a feel for what this Jesus was like. Not just from us, people you've heard up the front, but, but from people who were there, who saw him, who touched him, the eyewitnesses. The question is, what will we do with the evidence? Let me tell you an incredible story. In 2010, a woman called Kelly Harnett was sentenced to 17 years to life for a crime that she didn't commit. It's an incredible case because there was one eyewitness in this case. The defense lawyer was standing there uh, cross-examining this eyewitness uh, at that case in 2010. Kelly Harnett was there in the dock. The, the, The defense lawyer said to the eyewitness, do you see the person who committed the crime in the audience, in, in, the, uh, in the room? And the eyewitness said, no, she is not here. The defense lawyer wanted to make absolutely sure, so he said, look, have a look again. I want you to look very carefully. Do you see the person who uh, did this in this room? The eyewitness looked again and said, no, they are not here. And here's the thing. The jury convicted Kelly anyway. In other words, they made up their minds without properly considering the evidence. It was only last year at her retrial that she was released. They ignored the solid testimony of the witness. And here's the thing. I think sometimes we can do that as um, Christians and non-Christians. Ignore the biblical eyewitnesses. Let me explain what I mean. If we're here and we're a Christian, well, sometimes I think we can forget 
to treat people with the respect that they deserve. Um, we can make unfair judgments based on externals. If that's us, what do we need to do? Let's remember the evidence. God does not show favoritism. Let's consider again what the witnesses say. Or maybe when we mess up in our Christian life, whether it's to do with racial offense or otherwise, maybe we we mess up and we get discouraged and down and we want to give up. If that's us, what do we need to do? Let's remember the evidence. God offers peace for those who've messed up. We need to consider again what the witnesses say. And if you're here, if you're, you're not a Christian, you're just looking in, then we too can ignore the evidence. As I say, we can live like God is a, a landlord that we just want to uh, ignore. The problem is that unlike Kelly, when we ignore the evidence, it's not Jesus who ends up in the dock. It's us facing a guilty verdict before a perfect an awesome God. And so perhaps it's time for us to consider afresh what the witnesses say. <laughs> Once again, Alpha is an opportunity to do that, to take another look, to examine the evidence, uh, to see for ourselves what this kind of community that I've been speaking about is actually like as you share a meal together with Christians. To ask, does this evidence actually stack up? Well, look, friends, there's so much more that I could say. I want to be clear that this is just one area of injustice in a world full of injustices. But thank you for listening to something about this particular injustice over these few minutes. Three reasons that I had confidence as I started a new church that God could build a different kind of community. Three reasons that Wilberforce strove for over 20 years to end the transatlantic slave trade, three reasons that HTC is a church committed to racial unity. God shows no favoritism, God offers peace, and God has provided evidence that his promises are true and we can bank on them. The question for us as I finish is what will we do with the words of the witnesses? Let's bow our heads and pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this glorious picture of your character, that you are a God who does not show favoritism, who doesn't judge people on the basis of externals so that some are in and some are out. We pray, Heavenly Father, that that might be our heart to model our response to others on your response to them. We recognize that we need your help, so we pray, Holy Spirit, please help us to change. Help us to continue to be the sorts of people as a community here at HTC, if we're part of it, who seeks to uh, recognize when we've got it wrong and say sorry, uh, to seek help from you, living God, so that we can change. And be a kind of community that is like a city on a hill that, that people look to and see something different about us that would be a blessing to anyone who walks in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.